Now you're ready for the word today. Amen. Amen. Uh, this was something on my heart for a long time, and and I wanted to. God has been dealing with me on this particular thing so many years of my life as a believer, and this is going to be powerful when you really study it. And it starts with this verse: What Jesus said, "Flesh profits nothing." And you're going to feel really going to break down into that flesh profits nothing. And let's go through it. John chapter six. Somebody can read verse thirty-five. Thirty-five to forty. Let's read thirty-five to forty. Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven." Not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that all that He has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Last day. Okay, that's correct. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Okay, verse 35 says, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Okay, verse thirty-eight says, "I have come down from heaven." Now he makes a statement. This is man Jesus. Okay, it's not God Jesus, as they just said. This is like a, a man from Galilee making these words to these people who are listening to him. He said, "I have come down from heaven." Number one, and verse verse. Now let's read verse forty-one and forty-two. Then the Jews then complained about him because why? Why did they complain? They said because he said, "I am the bread." Which comes down from heaven? They're not really complaining about the bread part. They're complaining about the coming down from heaven part. Okay, and then they make a statement. I want you to go through this. Um, there's a reason why I'm going through these verses. Okay, we come down to the verse which says, "Flesh profits nothing." Verse 42. And they said, "What did they say? Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph?" Whose father and mother we know. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. Somebody can read that. That gives a complete context of that verse in the gospel. In the gospel, Matthew chapter 13, verses 35. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken. Did I get it wrong? 13. 13, 55. 55. 55. Sorry, 35. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then does this man get all these things? And so they were offended at him. Now that gives you the complete picture of what they exactly said. Now what did they They laid out the biological record of Jesus. What's the biological record of Jesus? He said, 
carpenter's son got that right. Mary, the mother, got that right. His brothers. Now, all his four brothers are made there. Now, some of you would have never noticed this. Jesus had four brothers. How many of you knew that? Yeah? As sisters. See, that's good. I didn't that. And, and, it, and God found, the Holy Spirit finds it important for to list the names of these brothers because he was just like any other ordinary Jewish man. There was nothing odd, extraordinary about him. He had four brothers. What are the names of the brothers? James, Joseph, Simon, and Judah. And he had a lot of sisters. They don't even name his sister. I mean, he had, they had a bunch of sisters. He had a big extended family. In fact, his family was a large family. In fact, a lot of his disciples were some of his own family members. In fact, his brother James then became to become the head of the church. Uh, the first James that was the disciple of Jesus, James and John, remember the brothers? James was killed by Herod. So the name James does not continue, but the James, the brother of Jesus, continues. So, so we see that he had a biological record. And they said, don't we know all this? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they were, they were offended at him. And remember that was, they were offended. Now let's go back to John. His father, carpenter's son. Oh, carpenter's son. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you go back to John chapter 6, verse 41, is not his is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? So we had the complete biological record. Complete biological record. Now, so they knew Jesus after the flesh. They knew him completely. They had they understood him completely to to a T. They knew exactly where he's from, who his fathers are, who his parents are, his sisters, brothers. And they knew. They knew him. They knew him completely. And then, how is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Now, it doesn't make sense. We know that he's not from heaven. He's from Galilee. He's from Nazareth. How can you say that he's come down from heaven? Okay, there you go. So stay with me. Verse 51 now. 651. And then Jesus doesn't stop there. He starts making our statements. Verse 51, I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now what is he saying? He says that my, I am the living bread which comes down from any strength like a what is the bread? He says my flesh is the bread. Now that doesn't make sense. You know, how is my flesh the bread? Now, he's, Jesus, now Jesus is going, now it's getting a little tougher. And then he makes that statement, he said, Most actually I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But that doesn't make, you know, for a Jewish, for a Jewish audience, eating flesh and drinking blood is as far removed as, you know, as beef from our <laughs> Okay, so doesn't make sense. So he continues. For my flesh is flesh indeed, verse 55. And my blood is breaking thing. That means he says there's no, no other better food than my flesh and my blood. There's no other better food. This is it. If at all you need bread and you want food, this is it. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him. 
As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. Now this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your father, fathers ate the manana dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now I want you to, have you heard this verse? Now I want you to look at verse 16. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And they were offended. In the other Gospels, it says they were offended. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, look at this question. What is this question? Does this offend you? Now let me ask you a question. What offended the disciples? I'm talking about him being the bread. The, the, whole, the, whole, the whole sermon they just talked about. The whole enchilada. <laughs> That he is the flesh and the blood. So you think that's the hard saying that he's talking about, the disciples? See, it's interesting. I've always understood it that they could not grasp their mind around this flesh and blood concept. But really, they were not offended at that. They were offended at something else. Right, because the Bible talks about it in the other Gospels. They were offended about what? They are offended about saying that I know who you are, I know where you come from, we know where you, but you say that you're coming down from heaven. How dare you say that? I mean, why why are they offended about that? Because they say that's not the truth. We know you're from Nazareth. How can you say that you're coming down from heaven? That offends me. But they believed he was a Christ. If they believed he was a Christ. Right. So, they, so stay with me here. Let's see whether they believe it. Okay. Now this is what he says. Look at verse 16. So he says, this is a hard saying. What is a hard saying? Not the flesh and blood. The hard saying is that you're saying that you are the bread that comes down from heaven. Especially since I know that you come from 75013. <laughs> <laughs> I know your mom and dad. I know your mom and dad. I know the whole thing. You know? I know Carpenter's way. Nazareth 75013, right? You're telling me you come down from heaven? That offends me. That offends me. That offends me. Okay. Okay. Jesus answers the heart of the question. Then he says what? Verse 62. Does this offend you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascend to what where he was from? Aha. Uh -huh. So now we know what they were offended at. They are offended at where he says that where he's coming from. But Jesus says, okay, it's easy for me to say that I come from heaven. What if I just go back to heaven? Will they believe you? Then believe? What will be the answer? Yes, they will believe. Yes, they will believe. So my question is, why would they not believe now? So Jesus makes a statement. Jesus is asking the question. He says, what if I ascend to the place that I claim that I descended from. Did you get that? Will you then believe? So nobody replies. Because the answer is, if you do ascend to where you are from, that means I will believe. But Jesus will not offer them that sign yet. 
now he makes a statement. I want you to say, now is when he makes a statement. And it's such a such powerful part as a believer. We get so much stuck on the same issues that the Jews stuck and we blame the Jews. But as believers, we run into the same problem. And listen to this. It's in this context just Jesus says, verse 63, what does he say? It is the spirit which gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Why is he saying that? He's saying, my biological record is of no value to my credibility. Let me repeat. My biological record is of no value or profit to my credibility. What will give me credibility is what I say to you. I can show all the signs and all the miracles. I cannot go up to heaven before you. But it's going to be of useless value to you because it is not the flesh that is profitable. It is the spirit. And Jesus says, and just so that he clarifies, he says, what is the spirit? What does he say? The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. I want, I want that to sink with all of us. I want that to sink with all of us. Now Jesus is saying, more powerful than my physical manifestation in the flesh, more powerful than what I do, is what I speak to you. Because if you do not believe what I speak, no matter what I do, will not matter to you. Because flesh profits nothing. I want you to think about it. The value that you place in your life for the word of God in your life. It is not what God does in your life. It's what God says to you in your life. Because if you can believe what he says, everything else will work out. But we are always waiting for what he will do and show up in your flesh. And God says, man, I cannot do that. I can't do that. I'm not going to show up. And I'm good. And I'm only to stay with this. Because it's so fundamental to living in the spirit as a believer. Because we as believers go back to what God says, I am not capable of delivering to you those signs. I just can't. I have chosen by the foolishness of preaching to build faith, not by the evidence of signs. Hear, hear me out. If you are waiting from God to do some incredible things for you to start believing in Him for greater things, you're putting the cart before the horse. You have to start believing His words for the manifestations to follow. You have to. There is no choice. It's not my words. Jesus saying, flesh profits nothing. That means, that's a, that's, a, that's a very heavy statement to say. So it says that all, what is flesh? How do you define flesh? How do you define flesh? Because in, in, in this sense, it's anything that we can see, touch, or Correct. all that. Anything that we can see, touch, yeah, feel, or hear. See, touch, feel, or hear is, is what? Flesh. Flesh. And flesh is? What, what is the word? Flesh does not? Yeah, I want you to. I know it's hard for you to say. Take a deep breath and say, flesh, flesh. prophets, nothing. 
How much? Nothing. How much? Nothing. How much? Nothing. So how much of value does God give flesh in your life? Nothing. Wow. Wow. God, 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 God. That's a little too hard. I can see stuff, Lord. I want to see miracles. I want to see this. But how much of that value is important to God? Who the flesh profits whom? Nothing. Flesh profit whom? Us. How much? Nothing. Nothing. Let me repeat that. I wanted to get into your system. All that you see and feel and touch does not profit you. Does not profit you. That means by staying around Jesus, by being in Nazareth, by being in Galilee, seeing his miracles would not profit him. Jesus says, does not profit. Because they were depending on that. He had a bunch of disciples who saw his miracles and followed him. And Jesus says, it's of no value to you. I want you to think about it. That is why Disney makes a lot of money every year. <laughs> because people forget experiences. The world system is built around flesh. The flesh needs constant titillation. But God refuses to give you that. He wants to give you the word. And the word will survive and sustain. Flesh profit. So I'm saying is, so just because you see a symptom sustained in your body, even after you believed on the word of God, doesn't mean anything to God. Because God says flesh Prophets, nothing. What you see is not the truth. So what is the truth? What I believe is the truth. Wow. That's a complete contrast change to how we live as believers. As unbelievers, we always live by what? By sight, by feel, by touch, by reports, by this. And God says, when you hear a report right now, doesn't matter because it's flesh. Oh, that, that, that person is angry with me. Yeah, but because I, I, how do I know that he's angry? Because somebody said, Oh, did I hear him about it? Yeah. If I heard, then it is in the category of flesh. Therefore, flesh profits nothing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God and let me hear with my spiritual ears what is God telling me about this person. Wow. Now you have to constantly, you have to not detune yourself from the flesh and start operating in the spirit. I, I, I actually bought a glove from home, but I did not bring it here. Um, your spirit and your body is like a glove and in a hand. The glove is your spiritual, your body, not your spiritual body. Your hand is your spirit in that sense. Your spirit and your body is hand and glove. They operate on two different things. What your body sees and feels and smells and all is irrelevant, not relevant to God. But what in your spirit you see and hear is what changes and remains and sustains. I want you to start operating. You see, but how is it Anand, that I've never operated in that? It was always there, but you could never operate in it when you're unbeliever because the Holy Spirit was not empowered in your life. The Holy Spirit is what activates your eyes. Because remember this, when the Bible, when God told Adam, the day you eat of the fruit of the tree, you will die. Your spirit died. So his eyes died, his ears died, his senses died, understanding died. In Jesus, our spirit is now alive. So your spirit has eyes. See, my spirit has eyes. My spirit, has eyes. My spirit hears. My spirit, hears. My spirit feels. My spirit feels. Now you tell me, I mean, how do you, how, where do you justify that? Remember the story of the rich man in hell? Right? What did he say? Ask Lazarus to 
So he can? So he can? What's that? Oh, oh, oh. There's a lot of things going on in heaven. And he's a spirit man, right? He's spirit. And he's in hell. He's not even in heaven. But he can do a lot of things. First, he can see Lazarus. So tell me, he can see. Then he says, tell Lazarus to dip his finger. So he can see fingers, right? So dip his finger and in water and touch my tongue. So he has tongue. So at least you are sure that he has eyes, tongue, and fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> How do you visualize that? <laughs> Many ears to hear. Huh? And you could hear, right? So you get, okay, if you can see eyes, ear, fingertips, and tongue. So a collection of those are like, huh? All senses. So if not the body, hear all those parts, right? But no, but the fact is that it's complete. His body was exactly like you and I, completely whole in spirit. And you are right now have a complete spirit body, a spirit body, a complete spirit, whole, can see spirit. So you have to constantly see with your spirit. You have to constantly hear with your ears. You have to stop hearing what you hear from your physical ears and start hearing. And you say, Arun, can I hear? You bet you can hear. You can. And this is what God and God was saying. I was sharing with somebody. I was telling with Sam that day. He said, I used to this very strong. He said, when you operate in the flesh, you're walking in paths that are well trod and mastered by the enemy. But when you operate in the spirit, it confounds him completely and makes it ineffective to fulfill God's fruitfulness in your life. Let me repeat that. When you operate in the spirit, in flesh, you are walking well-trod paths that the enemy has mastered completely. So when somebody hurts you and you get angry, the enemy knows all the paths that this can take. So he is, he's written it completely against you. But when you start operating in when, he, when somebody hurts you and you forgive and love, it confounds him completely because he doesn't understand that uh, that word. So now you operate in a level that completely confirms and completely makes him ineffective and you further connect with the internal with the eternal possibilities that was not available for you at that dimension. I know I said a lot of mouthful but when you start operating in the spirit you connect with an eternal spirit. You see that? Because what the Bible says God is spirit and he who worships him must worship him in spirit and truth. I'll tell you why both are important. We have a lot of study to go through. Are you guys ready for some word? You can, you will really study from the word. Why God is so essential. As believers, we cannot operate in the flesh. And flesh is everything that we can touch, feel, feel. The, the, the nature that God has. In fact, a lot of people define flesh as godless nature. I would not define that as godless nature because even Jesus had flesh when he was in a body and his body was not godless but yet it was a nature. To us it's a godless nature but to God it was whole. But yet even Jesus refused to operate in a divine flesh. He said of myself I, I can do nothing. I only do what I see my father do. I only do what I see my I hear my father say. So that means even with Jesus' perfect divine flesh, 
body, he refused to lean on it. How much more? I mean, no wonder he, he could never trap him. He refused to go to Judea because he could see with his spiritual eyes that there's a trap. Even when his friend Lazarus was sick. Why? Because flesh will tell you, your, your, your friend is sick, why don't you go and raise him up? But your spirit will tell you, don't go now, the Jews are just finished stoning you, they are in waiting for you to kill you. You see? Because he operated in the spirit. He said, no one can take my life from me. Because I will. That's why he said, I have life. He says, I'm like 12 hours in a day, he who walks in the light shall never stumble. He says, I walk in the light all the time. <laughs> it's not like Jesus says, if it is a, he never made a prayer. If it is the will of God, then don't do it. He never did. Except only once. When it comes to separation from the Father himself. Otherwise, you always knew the will of God. You always walked in it. He never stumbled. Did you ever see he was like, oh, what's up this? You know, I came into the wrong place. No. I use my divine privilege. No. Always clear, smooth, restful. Even when he is preparing for his Passover, he said, don't worry. Uh, there is a man who has a donkey. Just follow him. It will take him to the master. Ask the master. Give the... Talk about, talk about logistics. Everything was peace because he was operating in the spirit. And I want you to look at it. Operating in the spirit. So it was offensive. Jesus addressed him. He said, the biological record, and you can write it down. The biological record of Jesus was in the way of their spiritual understanding. And that stumbled the Jews all the time. In fact, there are many Jews who miss God's kingdom and eternity because they, they were stuck up at he's not from Bethlehem. I mean, can you believe you, you go to hell because of a geography question mark answer? Of all the things, you know, to go to hell because of a geography trivia. I mean, why would you want to be hung up on that? I mean, that's what flesh does. Flesh can rob you of divine appointments. Write it down. Flesh can rob you of divine appointments and visitations. Because you're so, because you think that that friend can help you because he's so powerful, you miss that uh, silent guy who is in a need. And God knows that that connecting with him will open up the destiny for you, not with the rich guy that you so long to meet. All the time. You miss divine appointments because you lean on the flesh. And the, and, and the fact is, leaning on the flesh is not evil in an, in an overt way, but in a very deceptive way. You, 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 you live your life so much living on the flesh. You, so what do you do? I mean, so how do I live in the spirit? I mean, constantly talk to Jesus. Constantly talk. The Holy Spirit is given to you. Constantly talk to him and say, so what do I do this? What do I do this? I see this, but what is the real truth? Tell me the story behind the story. Tell me what's really going on. Let me give you an example. I, I shared with somebody. Uh, I was doing investments and um, there was this day that Facebook came up. <laughs> it's something very current. I'm actually how it operates on a daily basis. So all my flesh, my emotions, my hand, my mouth, and my all my trigger senses is telling buy, 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 buy it. Because it, it, it did not open at the high level that it opened. It opened at $42 and it is... 
uh, and everything is telling me buy. I have cash in hand. I'm supposed to buy. All my friends have bought. Everybody bought. Everybody bought. And I'm and they're telling me buy. Another, and I'm everything. And I ask God, and which I do many times, and say, God, what do I do? And the voice was clear. Do not buy Facebook. It's a snare that will lose you money. Wow. It's like on the first day. It's opened up good. It's, I, I never had a chance to get into the IPO before. I had a great opportunity to get in. I, and this is clear. So, so all the flesh is standing by. It's a great part. And the Holy Spirit was saying very clearly, do not buy. It's a snare. So I said to my friend, do not, I'm not going to buy. I told, they were like, my, one of my friends, he's a Hindu, but I've been having conversations with him about a lot of things. He said, wow, that is good. He said, okay. So he, he got that. Guess what? And then that's the rest of the story. The thing keeps crashing and crashing and crashing. And my friends, they lost about 15,000 and 42,000 in two days. They lost. They, they were exposed. And I was supposed to buy too. But the Holy Spirit was very clear. Do not buy. So see, see. So everything will tell you buy. Oil prices are going up by oil. Gold is going down. Or uh, don't have that brother or this promotion is coming if you can talk to this guy or uh, you know why don't you you know lick up to that boss and you know do this and do that it's all the time it's about what can I do in the flesh but God is saying don't, don't waste your time on it just listen from me I will tell you what needs to be done you will be profitable in your life I'm just giving you a small example but even in this God wants you to operate in your strength if not anything, it is profitable. You will stay away from the traps of the enemy. You will stay away from the snares of the enemy. Let me, let's go again. This law is tough to cover. It's the spirit which gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I give to you are spirit and they life. And say this after me. The words, the words are, spirit are spirit and life. And life. Words matter more than flesh. I don't know how much I can emphasize. Words matter more than flesh. Why did God make it like that? I have no idea. Even Jesus, you know, Paul says, I, you know, I don't understand. By the foolishness of preaching, God made salvation possible. It's, and to live victoriously. By the foolishness of words. By words you can enter into the kingdom of God. By words you can live. By words. Not what you can do. Not by works. Not by anything. But by words. And how deceptive that the enemy will always try to get you away from words, right? He got your healing because of words and he wants you to lose your healing because of the reports. You see? You got it because of words but you want to go away because of reports. Okay. There you go. Now let's go, uh, let's keep going. Uh, John chapter 6 verses 64. Now there are some of you who do not believe. Now Jesus knew from the beginning who are they who would not believe, who betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time onwards, many of us, who? Disciples. Remember, Leland, you were asking that? They were disciples who believed in Jesus, but they really did not believe his words. They saw his works, but they did not believe his words. And Jesus says, even Jesus, the Son of God, cannot get you into heaven because of what you saw. 
and have the burden of belief is the same then as it is same now. It's not that they had a greater privilege or a lesser burden to believe. Can you believe that the people in Nazareth would have made it easy? No, it was not easy for them. They still had to believe the words just like you and I today have to believe. There is no excuse. You cannot say, God, oh, Nazareth had it made or Israel during that time had it made. Oh, I wish only I could see Jesus physically. In fact, that was, that was a problem. Thomas had a problem. He said, Thomas said, I want to see you face to face. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, those who believe, who do not see but yet believe. In fact, that can become a stumbling block. In fact, Judas saw Jesus, but Judas did not believe Jesus' words. Okay, there you go. I keep reading. And from that time, and Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go also? Now, what did Peter say there? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. Do you get that? I want you to repeat. You have the words. You have the words. You have nets. You have gold. You have ministry. You have miracles. You have bread. You have power. You can cast out demons. You can heal the sick. No. You have what? Peter knew it. The reason I want to stick on with you is because you have words. How did Peter know that? How do we know that? Because Jesus said that, right? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. That means all my physical actions have not been able to get you to the place for you to believe that I am the Son of God. It's a spirit that is revealed to us. Peter connected in the spirit and understood that words matter more than anything. Wow, this is a problem. You know, Peter, I mean, he's not even a theologian. He has not, he doesn't know the God, the scriptures like Paul knew. But he said, you have words. So whenever you face a challenge in your life, find words. Find words. If there are no words for you to stand on, you are of most pitiful of all. Because you are just like any other unbeliever. Because what separates you from the unbeliever is what? Words. And you say, Anil, but that is not so romantic. That is not so dynamic. There is no mm factor to it. It is boring. But it is effective. God wants you to win with words. His words is what you need to win And it's amazing how much we are distracted into the, how many messages, how many atmospheres of a church convention, how many, how much of drama or how much of praise and how much, how much do you remember? You know, all kinds of revival meetings and, and you have clap your hands and you have said, yes, preacher, go, but how much do you remember? How much do you remember? You have to recreate it all the time. But the word that came to you when you first believed, you still remember, right? I still remember the gold, one gospel song that made me came to Jesus was, how can I make a lesser sacrifice when Jesus gave his all? That one line of a song over a period of seven days at the youth camp changed my life. How can I make a lesser sacrifice when Jesus gave us all. 
pricking and pricking and pricking. And I was like, a, I was an eighth grade. I couldn't stop. I, I ran into the speaker's room and I said, I want to be saved. And I'm from an orthodox background. Initially, you have no idea born again. <laughs> we are like a traditional church, like a Catholic. But I said, how can I? Like, I, can't, I couldn't run away from the tree. They said, how can I? Jesus, I'm going to give my life to you. Just a word. I still remember that word so many years back. You know, Words matter. Flesh doesn't matter. Drama doesn't matter. How I felt doesn't matter. Uh, you know, oh, that guy gave a great message. Doesn't matter. What did he say? Do you remember what he said? <laughs> oh, he's great. He's the eloquent. Doesn't matter. God's not impressed. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you. Um, there's so much stuff to come. So much stuff to come. Covenants with words. Covenants are with words, not package drama. <laughs> Covenants are with words, not package drama. When you when you when you're married, there's a lot of drama that associated with marriage, right? <laughs> there is drama before and there is drama after. <laughs> but there's definitely drama during the during when you get married. There is this music and bridesmen, there is dress and everybody's beautiful and there is ambient, everything has to be perfect. What really matters at the end of the day? It's the words that you said to each other. I do. That's it. Everything else is package drama. Say package drama. Package drama. That's flesh. Flesh is package drama. Nothing else matters. Years later when you're old because the package that told you I do has changed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> If you do, if you want to remember, take pictures. No wonder they take a lot of pictures. All pictures, because everything changes. Everything, everything falls to gravity. <laughs> Cheeks are going down, and I, everything is going down. Belly is going down. Flesh is going down. Stance goes faster down. <laughs> I'm telling you. Take pictures. Take pictures. If you think your wife looks good, take pictures. <laughs> Because all that matters is men <laughs> We got tools, buddy. We got tools now. We <laughs> know how to things back up, right? <laughs> we got tools to right? But all that matters is I do. Just a comment. I mean, you don't go back to the judge if you have to separate, right? And say, let me show you the DVD. <laughs> how many times? Which, which judge wants to see the DVD? Nobody. They just show me, show me where you sign. Where's the registrar copy? It's boring, it's old, it's letters, it's broken, you know, dirty paper. Just show me that. You can keep the DVD to yourself. That's what God tells you your flesh. He said, you can keep your flesh to yourself. You bring words to me. It's a Bible says in Isaiah or somewhere. Take with you words and turn. Come with words. Don't come with all your drama. I want to hear all that, how much I was touched by you, Lord. Okay, what are you going to do with that? So which verse are you going to now obey? Because you are touched by me. Oh, I'm always touched. <laughs> always a boost pimples when the worship goes up. Doesn't matter to God. He wants to know what are you going to do with the words. In fact, Jesus was 
Can you carry the cross and follow me? <laughs> he's like, he's telling his disciples, now all his disciples is already like, oh, no. talk about non-conventional ministry. He was a minister who just lost half his crowd. <laughs> he's telling the other half, do you also want to go? <laughs> I mean, of all the things you never ask your flock, don't show insecurity to your people. Right? <laughs> you don't tell your remaining flock, do you also want to go? Jesus is totally secure. He say, I don't want people who do not believe my words. I don't need it. He is not, he's not, he's not hungry for a following. You are hungry for a savior. He always, he's already ready. He's already great with Christ. I'm telling you, flesh doesn't like it. He says covenant. So covenants are words, not package drama. Always remember that. Covenants that you enter in life and in your spirit are not about all that happens around it. It's about what words did you use to enter into a covenant. So when you go to God, you should say, when you have a problem with your sickness or a job problem or anything, is immediately the question is Ben or, you know, Stan or Thomas. Says, God is saying, okay, so Thomas, so you had a problem at the workplace. So what words are you going to stand on? Don't tell me, have mercy on me, and don't you see me. No, 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 no. tell me what words. Are you going to stand on? Or what promises are you going to stand on? I know it's old-fashioned, it's boring, but that's how I operate. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. You love this. The old covenant was entered in with sound and light and shaking. The new covenant was entered in with nothing except for this. Remember the old covenant came down on Mount Sinai with what? There was thunder and lightning and sound effects and they were dreading and because God said, hey, you want signs? Here you go. The full package. I'll give you everything. And what was their response to that? They're like, Moses, whatever God says we will do, was tell God not to speak to us. <laughs> You said you want flesh, God can show flesh. When you want to show muscle, God can show some serious muscle. God tried it a little bit, I mean a little bit, backside to Moses. <laughs> and he was on his face. You know? I mean, you don't want to, you don't want God. I mean, if you want to play the game with God about flesh, he can play the same game too. But he doesn't want, he doesn't operate at that level. He wants to operate in the relationship of love. He says, so the first covenant was all of sound package. But what happened? 40 days that covenant did not stay. 40 days. The same people who saw God, and we studied that last time, all of Israel saw God. They saw God, saw God, not just Moses. Go back and read. The Bible says they all saw God, the Holy One of Israel. They saw God. And yet they built the golden calf. I mean, they saw the Holy One of Israel, flesh, is no substitute to the word of God. But now God says, I'm going to make a new covenant where I write the words in their hearts and I'm going to use words. And I'm going to enter in a relationship based on a covenant. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter. So, so, so can you, uh, let's summarize that part. So repeat after me. You have the words. 
Remember that. In any challenge, ask, do you have the words? Just like Peter. Remember that Peter's quest, Peter's response. You have the words, so we're going to follow you. So, Jesus, all of the disciples followed Jesus, the ones who stayed, because of the words of Jesus. Nothing to do with anything. Nothing to do with anything. Nothing to do with any of the other things, because of words. So you have the words. Remember that. Write it down somewhere in your spirit, somewhere. Do I have words in this fight that I have, that I'm going through? Do I have words? If you do not have words, you have to go back and find words. You have to come find Don't come with anything else and, you know, ask things. You have to have find words. Okay. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Talk about flesh. A certain woman raised her voice and cried out. Talk about heckling. You know, now Jesus is in the midst of a teaching and a certain woman cried out with a loud voice. If it was today, you know, the preacher would have been very proud. But look at you. And said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. If it was a modern day life telecast, the censors would have gone bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> References to breasts and <laughs> bosom and all. No, no, no. But, but what was. So this was flesh glorifying moment. Completely. She's saying, there's a woman who's trying to say that. Your mother is so blessed because she bore you. And Jesus immediately responds is what? But. He said, but. Look at the word but. So he says, I refuse to take that. I don't need it. More, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And he keeps going down. And verse 20 then he says, Verse 29, in Luke chapter 11, verse 29. While the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Amen. Look at that. He says, This generation needs a sign, and as a believer, we should stop asking God to do things for the sake to build your faith. That is not how God wants us to operate. God wants you to trust His word and believe His word. Then what you depending on will come to pass. Don't say, Lord, Lord, if you do it, I'll believe you more. Ah. Or if you if only you can do this, then I will do this. No, it is a deception, it's a sign. He says, No sign will be given. He said, He 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 doesn't want to give signs. Now I write this down. Flesh demands signs. Spirit demands words. All the time. Flesh demands signs. Spirit demands words. Now Moses had this problem and Jews had this problem and everybody has this problem. A lot of time. Moses, remember when Moses was selected by Jesus, God, by God, to go to Israel and tell them that you're going to be the deliverer? Moses' question was, how will they believe me? I want you to go to Exodus chapter 4. It's powerful. Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. Uh, it's got a prophetic layer and this I just realized a couple of, uh, um, uh, I think a month back. It's, and if you go through it, you'll be blown away by what, what it says. When Moses answered and said, so, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not ap appeared to you. The Lord's, now, so 
Moses is asking, God is about to give them signs, okay? So Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me. Who will not believe me? Who? The Israelites? Correct. That's what you think. But actually, the title of that, uh, the passage there is not correct. It's really the Israelites would not believe. He's going back to the Israelites to tell them that the Lord has, Yahweh has not appeared to you. The Egyptians have nothing to do with Yahweh. The problem was with the Israelites. They are not willing to receive Moses because they say, how can you say that Yahweh has appeared to you? Now look at this. Now suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say that the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it to the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe in the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Remember this? Now he's validating that God of Israel, God of Yahweh has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom and put your hand in your bosom and take it out. And his hand was leprous. Put your hand in your bosom again. And he put his hand into the bosom again and drew it out. And behold, it was restored like the flesh. Therefore, if they do not believe you or heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the later sign. And it shall be that if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, then you shall take water from the river and pour it on dry ground. And the water which you take from the river uh, from the river will become blood on dry ground. Very, 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 very powerful. The first sign, God promised two signs to Israel. And it's prophetic. He said, first sign is of a rod that becomes a serpent. And the second sign is hand in a bosom. He says, if they don't believe the first sign, they will believe the sign of the latest sign. <laughs> so powerful. The other day, God, uh, I was meditating on the passage, and God was telling me, you know, under Israel has three opportunities for signs to receive me. They have three signs. That is so true. It's so powerful. He gives you the first sign of Yahweh, of, of Yeshua. Uh, first sign of Yahweh, the second sign of the return of Israel to its land, and third sign of judgment on the land. And he said, when it is time, if they might not believe the first sign, and so that is so tender. He says, God is telling Moses, and it is prophetic, it's going through ages, because it's the same problem. Jews always seek a sign, and Greeks demand wisdom. But both are from the flesh. Okay. And he says, I will give you three signs. If they don't believe Yahweh's sign, they will definitely believe the sign of the return of Israel to captivity, from captivity. And that's just happened. But he says, if they don't believe that sign, there will be a third and final sign that is of blood on the land. And that is the final battle of Armageddon. 
And that's going to happen when we are about to enter that time of the season of the third cycle. <coughs> God told Moses at the burning bush and that three signs is playing out. What is the first sign? First sign is, what is in your hand? The rod. Is it throw it down? What does what it become? It becomes a serpent. Who is the serpent? It is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus became an offense to the Jews. And what was Moses' response to the serpent? He ran away. He ran away. He fled. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter. Isaiah chapter 53. It says, Who has believed your report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant, a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when you see him, there is no beauty that we should desire. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. What is the response of Israel to Jesus? They ran away from him. Because, you know, they were not expecting a serpent. They were offended by that sight of Jesus on the cross. So to the Jews, Paul preached Christ crucified. The serpent. And that was of it. So that's why Jesus, God told Moses, pick him up by what? Why, why not by his head? Because you are touching the head of my son. Do not touch him by his head. Take him by his tail because he's harmless to you. You never touch, take a serpent by his tail. But you will always take a what serpent by its tail? A dead. A dead one. You take a dead serpent by its tail. Jesus dying for you. So you receive him as your savior. He's not an offense to you. See, he had Jesus did not have a great personality. There was no comeliness. In fact, Isaiah 53 is the only place which describes the physical attributes of Jesus. It's the only place. The only place. Only place. He said, he looked ordinary. Why? Because God wanted to, did not want to, remember that Jesus had a great charisma and a lot of power oozing out of him and then would have believed in him? He could have, he could have gone back into the same problem by flesh. He said, he had nothing. So they had to receive him by faith, by the word of God. By the word of God. Amen? Amen? So you remember the first sign. The second sign is about, he puts his hand in his bosom and brings it back. Second time he brings it back, he was completely restored. That's a sign, and I strongly believe that, and you can study it yourself. It's a sign of the return of Israel to his land. And comes back and he's restored. The Bible says his hand was restored as before. So Israel is going to restore as a nation and it was restored. Everything restored in that land. But finally he said, that's the later sign. And he uses the word, they will believe the later sign. The later sign. He uses that word intentionally. It's a later sign. Later sign. It's powerful that God does not use his words. Even the serpent, the stick on the ground is a sign of Jesus Christ. It's powerful. How do not depend on the flesh. So Moses hated that serpent, ran away from it. But God's word came to him saying, pick him up. And because he picked up, that serpent became the choice of instrument for all victory of Moses throughout his life. That rod 
part in the Red Sea. That rod brought the plagues on. That rod establishes authority. That rod by which he had you know, uh, victory over the Amalekites. That rod. What rod? Yeshua's rod. But you have to first receive him as an offense. You have to first receive him when your flesh says, I don't want to. But yes, he would have lost it all out. He would have never had that rod if he had stayed away from that by the serpent. See how it is? When, when, when you see him flesh, the word of God is more important than what you see. So, so Moses' eyes saw a serpent, but God's eyes saw a savior. Totally. So you see, it's totally contradictory of all the typologies that God could use for a savior. He would use a serpent. I mean, I mean, so one who would stumble would easily stumble at that. And that's what exactly what happened to the Jews. Jesus became a stumbling block. And they constantly stumble like cross. Because they want a ruler and they have to constantly go past the cross. No way around it. Has to go past cross. And as a believer, we want to avoid. We want to see the glory and the drama and all that. But God says, no, 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 no. Old-fashioned word. It's boring, but you trust me. My word says, lift, pick him by the tail. Will you obey? Yes, Lord, I will obey. I will say everything. It's powerful. I mean, just flesh demands signs. Spirit demands words. Always remember, flesh demands signs, spirit demands words. So are you, are you, do you have words in your life? If you don't have words, you are, you are missing it out. Okay. I want you to go to Mark chapter 8, verse 11. And Pharisees began to dispute and seek a sign. Verse 12, Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? When a parent sighs deeply, <laughs> When a parent sighs deeply, what happens? He's disappointed. What's the response of children when a parent sighs deeply? You're in trouble. You don't want God to sigh deeply. <laughs> do, do not. Jesus sighed deeply. He said, "Why does this generation seek a sign? To an eternal God who has made all things and knows how things work." He finds it incredible that man will constantly depend and clamor and seek flesh when it is ineffective and deceiving and it never satisfies. I said a lot of things there. To our eternal God who made all things and knows how things work, he finds it incredible that man will constantly seek after flesh when he sees that it is always ineffective and never satisfies. But he never understands. God doesn't understand. Jesus never understands. Why are you seeking a sign? I don't understand it. But why are you seeking a sign? Ask my, ask, depend on my words. He knows how things work. God knows how things work in this world. It's not by what you see and what you hear. It is by what you say and what you believe on. It's how it is. The problem, and, the, and we have a lot of other passages to go on, and I don't know whether we have the time. There's one verse where, one passage is where the, the problem of the for, forgotten bread, and the disciples forgot some bread in the boat when they took that, and they were worried, and then forgotten bread. Jesus said, 
I did so many miracles. I fed the 5,000, I fed the 4,000. And if you go back and see the number of bas uh, leftovers that were there in the baskets, in one it was seven and the other it was 12. When he had less bread for more people, he had more leftover. So he, he proved a mathematical impossibility. I mean, it doesn't line up. When you have less for more, how will you have more left? You should actually have short. So there should have been seven baskets in the first place and 12 baskets in the second. Because God was again making a point. He said, what you see, you saw a big multitude, you saw less bread, you automatically thought that you will not have enough bread. In fact, it turned out that you had more leftover. Because I want you to depend on your spirit and not on your flesh. Amen? How is it that you don't understand? And I want you to, somebody can read First Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 1 verses 21 to 29 and we can close with that. So. First, First Corinthians chapter 1 verses 21 to 29. It says the world through wisdom did not know God. Through wisdom you cannot know God. The Jews... But after that, yeah. the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh shall glory in his presence. No flesh. No flesh shall glory in his presence. That's the law that in heaven. No flesh can glory in his presence. No flesh. So Jews request a sign, Greeks seek wisdom. Both are flesh. So what happened? So Christ crucified was preached to the Jews, became a stumbling block, and to the uh, Greeks, they preached a foolish message. A foolish message that you are to believe in Jesus. So Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. No flesh can glory in his presence. What happens when you have a challenge in your life? And you remember this, uh, there was a challenge that uh, Mary and Martha had, that his, uh, his brother was dying, dying, ultimately died, and Martha met Jesus and asked, and asked, told a very interesting thing, he said, if you had been here, you would have not died. So he said, I understand in my flesh that if you had been here, you would have done something about it. But now, I don't know whether you can do anything. And then Jesus told 
your brother will live. So the word went up, correct? Later on, they're walking towards the tomb. And Jesus makes a final demand. Not really nothing. So the word is already gone. What is the word? The brother will live. Say the word has gone. The word has gone. The brother will live. So all that happens between them to the manifestation is what? What is that? Just in time. So all that events that happened between when the word went out to the Lazarus race, right, rising is all what? <laughs> you got it. That was exactly the word. That's, that's where you get that correct. Completely. It is drama. So then there is people weeping, people crying. And the final thing, before the stone is to be rolled away, Jesus tells Martha to roll the stone away. Martha says what? Say, here comes the stench. When the word is about to manifest in your life, finally, here comes a stench. <laughs> Always, it is so predictable. Remember, the paths of the flesh are well trod, and he's mastered that art. Here comes the stench. So when the flesh, you now write it down. I mean, if you can write it down, there's so much stuff to give, but if you're ready, I can give, but I don't think you guys are can take it completely, but write this down. When flesh is blowing in your face, remember the words. When flesh is blowing in your face, remember the words. Because nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how long he's been in there, how much bad the condition of the body is. Doesn't matter how, how big the wind is blowing. <laughs> we talked about this. Peter was walking on the water. The wind is boisterous. What does boisterous wind got to walking on the water? Nothing. It is flesh blowing in the wind. Is there a song called Yansa My Friend is Blowing in the Wind? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that is the truth. But for the world, the answer is blowing in the wind. But for us, the answer is in the world. Amen? When the flesh is blowing in your face, remember the words. Always remember, the final time, now, he, she's about to lose it. She's about to lose her miracle, completely. And, and she's, there's three days, and there's a step. Because she just told after she said, Lord, I believe. Remember that? He said, do you believe? Jesus asked the word. Your brother will live again. I'm the resurrection. He who believes in me shall never die. He will live something. And he asked a final question to Martha. He says, do you believe this? Because I cannot do anything until you say yes. And Martha said what? Yes, I do. So now comes the, the walk. People crying, drama, all the drama. She passed through all the drama. She didn't care. But the stench got her. <laughs> so sometimes it will be that final thing, you know. Your flesh will kind of give it all, finally. To give it. But that's the time when flesh is blowing in your face. Remember the words. I don't, you don't remember, I don't think out of this message, remember this. When flesh is blowing in your face, remember the words of Jesus. Remember what he said last week. His blood went. And what was Jesus' response to that? Verse, John chapter 11, verse 40. He says, Did I not say? Wow! 
<laughs> he does not give any new revelation about how uh, Lazarus would do. He did not give a new perspective on the doctrine of resurrection. He did not give a new faith level. Nothing. He said, Hello, did I not say? That means, I am not. Oh, this is so powerful. Are you guys ready? Don't you clamoring for new prophecies over your life when you don't believe the first ones? <laughs> what are you asking for more prophecies over your life? What, what is this urging your spirit to always hear a word of wisdom? Man, believe the first one that I told you. Did I not say? I mean, do you value my word so cheap? Because you want drama, remember? You always want drama. When a man of God wants, Lord, he, I wish he only points to me. And then he picks me up. Man, because you want drama. Because you're, remember your flesh loves drama. You can't believe the words of God. No, 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 no. Has to. Somebody has to lay hands on you. You have to fall to the ground. Otherwise, a miracle will not happen. These are all manifestations of your urge to perform. And sometimes Jesus says, okay, that meeting was boring and I felt sleepy, but I remember what he said. I would rather value that than, oh, that was a great message and I was awake and man, a lot of things. But what did he say and what do you remember? Oh, I don't even know. Can I get the tape? <laughs> and believe me, a lot of people ask me tapes, but they never ask me again. <laughs> they just started the message and like, man, that was great. Give me tape. <laughs> So, but I'm always waiting the next Sunday when they ask me. Nobody asks. <laughs> because it is flesh, right? Because you hear it in the spirit. I want it now. But then, then nobody asks later because it's flesh. Because that's how it is. We are men like that. But God says, I don't want to hear. Do you remember my words? What did I last say? Did I not say? Or, translation, did not words proceed? Remember that. What was Peter after? Words. Did not, did, Martha, did he not get the words that you need now for this situation? Did, I, did, he, did, not, did he not get the words? I mean, all that you need is words, right? Did I not give you the words? Do you remember the centurion? What did the centurion tell Jesus? Don't give me all the drama of you coming to my house. I don't need all that. I have lot of people for all that, right? I mean, I'm a centurion. I have hundred who do this, do that. I don't need all that. I know what works. What works? The word works. The word works. Just say the word. And I'll be healed. My servant will be healed. Wow. I mean, he understood by the foolishness of words, he got his miracle. But that was a ruler. Jairus, who would not believe until Jesus would actually come to his house and lay his hands. So Jesus had to help go all around. Because his faith was limited to that. He almost lost his daughter because of all that problem. Right? Because of the delay then. Because his faith was in Jesus being with the daughter when she was sick. So when the delay happened, what happened? Remember the stench came? <laughs> stench always comes. You when you are depending on the word of God, what happened? A woman just shows up with a Issue of blood and delays Jesus' walk to the. Guess what? 
How is it that it is so consistent that when you are standing on the word of God, the delay happens? How is it so consistent? Because it's not consistent, my brothers and sisters. It is the plan of the enemy. It's not consistent. He will get you. And Jesus immediately said, do not be afraid. Only believe. Only believe what? Only believe what I just told you. Little bit ahead. Only believe. Do not stop. Don't stop believing. So all the drama that happens now, now he has to face a greater drama, greater challenge, because now people are trying and everything. He says, no, I'm, I'm just, don't be. And, and finally, in fact, Jesus understood the effect of all that was going around. He get rid of, got rid of all of them from the room except kept James and John. Why? He says, not by flesh. It's by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. It's so powerful. I mean, it's so consistent. And you can go back into the Bible. You can read Remember, here comes the stench. <laughs> when, when you run into trouble and when you're standing on the word of God and you face this suddenly, just because you stand, and I've heard people say, you know, Anil, because I'm standing on this, this problem came. No, 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 brother. You could have come otherwise. But because you're standing on the word, the stench will come. You know? But you 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 don't change anything. Don't change anything. I mean, the diagnosis becomes worse. You know? Okay, here comes the stench. But I remember the words. Right? I'm not going by what I see, feel, smell. Oh, we talk about smell, right? <laughs> I, I always wonder how can smell stop your unbelief? Now, classic case. I mean, smell can stop you. I mean, flesh is deceptible. You don't know what about flesh can stop you. I mean, even smell can stop you. That's a classic case. Genesis chapter 3, verse 23 says, did you not receive the spirit by the did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Having begun in the spirit, will you not be made perfect by the flesh? He's talking to believers. He's saying, You started, you received the Holy Spirit by believing in the word of God. Now are you going to now get become be made perfect by depending on the flesh? Or will you will you stop your faith back? Does your faith walk start and stop at the day of salvation? I mean, many of us believers don't have anything more to say except your testimony, right? Now, there's a lot of stuff that happened afterwards. Yeah. But that needs the walk in the Spirit to be victorious. That needs the walk in the Spirit. He says, how are you going to get made for it? You start in the Spirit and now you're depending on the flesh like you are learned when you're an unbeliever. When you're an unbeliever, you operate it by what you see, what you smell, what you feel, what you people talk, the report, somebody said something, you get offended. Somebody did something, you're mad. Uh, something you, you wanted did not happen. That's, 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 that's the normal operation of the world. It's nothing unique. It's normal. Yeah. So when, when, when you tell me something bad that happened to you, you're speaking the language of the world. But what changes you is when you can speak words against those and stand on them. And because now you don't have to stumble around in your life. You can walk by the Spirit. You have to walk in the Spirit. You have to walk in the Spirit. Jesus, I told you, was a perfect man and a perfect flesh. But yet he said, John chapter 5 verse 19, a son can do nothing by himself, nothing in his flesh, nothing. What I, I, I see, I do what I see my father do. Uh, verse 30, John chapter 5 verse 30, I can do of myself do nothing as I hear I judge. That means I only, I, it's almost like Jesus, like, Jesus is not, this is powerful. I mean, uh, there's a whole Bible study on that, and we won't even go there. He says in verses, 
I of myself do nothing as I hear I judge. As I hear I judge. I am not looking at your condition and then making a determination of whether you need help. Now, this is powerful. This is deep. It answers a lot of theological questions. God is so merciful. Why can't he do things about the world and about me? Because God is not moved by what he sees. He's moved by what he hears. He says, I of myself cannot do nothing. He says, I of myself cannot do nothing. As I hear, I judge. As I see, I judge. No. As I see, I see a lot of evil in this world. But I'm not, I'm not, going, to, I'm not going to do anything about it. Because I am, I'm waiting to hear. What am I waiting to hear? Okay. I'm waiting to hear words of people. Because that frees me. Not really frees me. Frees me is a bad word. That authorizes me to intervene in your life. Because I am a merciful God. I will not intervene in your life without your permission. I can see that you're in a mess. You're doing foolish things. Some of these things are stupid. <laughs> but I cannot stop you from doing it. But call unto me and then I will answer. Call unto me. Call me with words. Speak to me. Use words. As I hear, I judge. As I hear, I judge. So walking in the spirit is so much about hearing from God, seeing what he does in the spirit, visions and dreams and seeing in the spirit, and speaking with your mouth the words of God. That's walking in the spirit. If, if you can really crystallize it into this. And if you're not doing it, brothers and sisters, you're really, you're, you can survive in this world. You can. But you stumble. You, you stumble just like any other unbeliever. You, don't, you fall into all the traps that the enemy falls. And you know, but God delivers you because you call out to him. But you begin fall. But God doesn't want you to have a lifestyle of falling and coming back. He wants you to establish and be fruitful and multiply. How can you do the work of God in this world when the world is not impressed by your stumbling? I mean, many times the world will counsel you on how to get things done. That's not the place that you want to be. The world should be coming to you to get counsel. How did you do it? How did you know about that investment? How did you know about that situation? How did you avoid that trap? How? That's the testimony that the world is looking for. Not like, oh brother, God, I fell into this trap, but I learned this lesson. I forsake, but then God learned. That's, that's the world learns. You, you live, you walk out of it. You, that's the walking in the spirit, walking in the spirit, walking in the spirit. Now since we are already through my notes, let me finish a few more um, and finish it completely. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. It says, God is not mocked. You have a choice to constantly sow to the spirit or sow to the flesh. He says, he who sows to the spirit, to the flesh, will reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will reap to the spirit. Eternal life. Eternal life. He says, God is not mocked. So what it says is, I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. The law of seed time and harvest is not suspended just because you're a believer. You know, a lot of believers think that the law of seed time and harvest just went push until you become a believer. But none of my actions matter. God is merciful. He just oversees everything. Washed it all by the blood of Jesus. Sorry. L negative. The law of seed time and harvest is an eternal law. 
it what you sow to the spirit will reap the fruits of the spirit what you sow from the flesh will reap corruption and you constantly do that your corruption your flesh lives with you as long as you have this body so it is constantly reaping all the fruits of corruption it is constantly lusting against the spirit it doesn't want to do what you god wants you to do it's constantly lusting and you have to make a choice you have to make a choice oh this is so powerful let me tell you this one more thing to do this Okay, Galatians chapter 5 verse uh, 25. It said, if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, Paul is saying, if we are born in the Spirit, pretty much if you live in the Spirit, that is, who decides that you live in the Spirit? Yeah. Ah, that's the trick question. Really, no. You live in the Spirit because you are born in the Spirit. Then who decides that you live with oxygen? You don't yeah. decide... that you live in oxygen you just happen to be on earth where oxygen abounds you will be created by that and that's how it is so when you are born of the spirit you live in the spirit now born is a statement he says if we live in the spirit let us also also is the operative word let us also walk in the spirit that means you live in the spirit by by virtue of your your new birth you you are a new spirit now you live in the spirit You are in the spirit. How many of you are not in the spirit? We need an altar call. Amen. <laughs> you are you you have you are now you live in the spirit. Amen. Whether you you see fruits of the spirit is totally different, correct? But you live in the spirit, right? Let me repeat that sentence. The verse: If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So you live by by what by how you were born. You walk. by what you do by your choice your walk is dependent on your choice you can choose not to walk in the spirit but all urges you say you are you are of the spirit walk in the spirit start learning to walk in the spirit keep walking in the spirit learn to hear from god learn to do this so the law of seed time and harvest does not is not in suspension because you are a believer it is operating so if you sow to the spirit you will you will reap So you make wise decisions. You make wise decisions, and he, uh, Galatians keeps on saying, "Let us not grow." Verse nine, Galatians chapter nine, six. I think verse seven, chapter seven, verse nine. Let us not grow weary while sowing. We shall all reap if we not if we do not lose heart. Lose heart. Walking in the spirit and connects you to the impossibilities, new dimensions which are not accessible by faith. you dimensions by faith and this is the final verse okay jeremiah chapter 32 and uh, i was sharing with somebody the other day and i found a golden verse in the bible you can use this for any time and every time how many of you want to know a golden verse and it really came because of jeremiah operating in the spirit not in the flesh let me give you a little background of jeremiah a jeremiah was is a, a the word of god came to him saying that Jerusalem is going to be in captivity the Babylonians the Chaldeans are going to come and overrun the city and Israel is going to go into captivity this is the captivity first captivity that they went on they went into captivity completely completely lost their kingdom lost their temple everything 
and this is about to happen. The armies are right now outside the gates of Jerusalem, and they're building a siege. You know what's a siege, right? They build the walls, and they're trying to create a big ramp to break down the walls. So it's all going on outside. They're not inside the city yet, but this is what is going on. And now we're going to read Jeremiah chapter 32. See how it operates, how you operate in the spirit and operate in the uh, world. Classic example. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. Okay. The word of God came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison. Where is Jeremiah? He was in the prison. And the word of God comes to him in the prison. And he says, Verse 6 The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you, saying, Buy my field which is in Anatot, for the right of redemption is yours to buy. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Buy, please buy my field that is in Anatot, that is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this is the word of the Lord. So, verse 9, what did Jeremiah do? He bought the field. Now, what is he buying? Uh, talk to me about a wise investment. Here is Jerusalem surrounded by armies. They are about to go into captivity. And he is getting sold on a piece of land in Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, now, what is flesh telling Jeremiah? Buy a piece of land. <laughs> now, this is all flesh. Now, look at all flesh. So, he from his eyes, his ears, he's in the prison. I mean, talk about Lord, I'm in the will of God. Believe me, you to make trouble. Oh, I'm in the will of God. Did I sin? You know? I mean, everything that can attack him. Spiritually, he's out there. You know, he's in the prison. It's not like you know he is in the Word of God, meditating on the scriptures. No, no, he's in the prison. He's in a mess, and everybody's in a mess. And now he gets an offer to buy a piece of property. What does Jeremiah do? Verse nine. How fast does Jeremiah buy the property? Right away. Immediately. Say immediately. Immediately. I tell you why I'm telling you to do to reply to him. It's so powerful. Because believers, we, we do dumb things you know? in the spirit. We, we, we specialize everything. I want to understand everything that God has for me in my life. And then I will do it. God says, man, when this situation is come and God, your appointments will lose, you will be still understanding. And the Bible always uses the word, no? Understanding people will suffer. You know? Because it's a joke, right? You stand on that tree, there are always tools falling on you. No. <laughs> understanding people. Wait, sometimes you just. You don't need to understand everything. You just need to understand that this is the word of God. When did he act? Then he realized that it was the word of God, correct? When that when he realized that it was the word of God, he did he now try to understand it. No! It's the word of God. I will just do it. Oh, but but Jeremiah, the market is falling down, this thing is crashing, and you're buying a territory that is not even yours. I mean, it will not become yours, it's going to be taken over by some other kingdom. But no, but it's the word of God. I don't want to understand it, but I'm just going to buy it. He buys it. Okay. 
Thus, the word comes. So the word came what? How, when did the word come? Before he bought, Satan by the word. Did he get more word? He did. After he bought them. He did get more word. What is the word? Now this is the word. Then he bought a piece of land, he put it in a pot. Okay. Verse 14, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, both the purchase deed, seal, and this deed that is open, put them in an earthen vessel for they, that they may last many days. Say many days. Many days. I'll tell you why it's important. Two things. First, it will be immediately. Second thing is many days. Correct? Fifteen. For thus says the Lord, more, more word comes. See, once you're obedient to the first word, more word will come. You know, many times you say, Lord, why is God not speaking to you? <laughs> Somebody can answer? Because you did not obey the first word. Because you are not stuck at the first word. Because he's waiting for you to obey that. For you to release new word. But you obey the first one, the new word will come. And you, I feel that is so consistent. You look time after time how the word of God came. It always came. The first dream, obeyed it. The second dream. The first vision, obeyed it. The second vision. It's consistent. God is unchanging. It happens in your life. You obey the first word, you get new word. You get new word. <coughs> and what is it? And this is the good word. This is the good word. He says, For thus says the Lord, houses, for thus says the Lord, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again. Say again. Again, again in this land. What does he say? This captivity will end. Wow. Because of his obedience to the word that came before. And he said, This captivity is going to end. Okay, now what? He did this, and Jeremiah is just feeling just like you and me. And he does all this, and then he asks God, look at this. Verse 34. Look at the siege marks. Now <laughs> Jeremiah is operating in the flesh. He's saying, look. When somebody says, look, see, hear, see, you see flesh. Look at the siege mounds. They have come to the city to take it. And the city has been given into the hand of the champions who fight against you because of the sword and the famine. What you have spoken has happened. There, you see it. But, and you, and you have said to me, O Lord, God, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city has been given into the hand of the champion. So Jabez is now asking the question that he was asked before. And miss out on everything. We won't understand everything. Why Lord, this, you know, God has to explain everything on how everything operates and how this whole favor is going to come to you because of your little seed that you gave right now. And he has to explain the whole thing. I mean, he can do it. You know, but you won't be able to understand it. I mean, how many of you will understand DNA code? DNA in your body? But you eat and drink and move around. And, but you don't need to understand everything. But if you so decide, he can spend days and explain to you how how this whole articulation of words that I'm speaking really happens. Because it's it's a supercomputer that is going on right now, right? Thoughts coming, translating into your mouth muscles, your tongue moving, with hands gestures. I mean, I mean, I can explain all. I can just believe it. And he says, many times we try to overanalyze God. And his word. We just have to believe his word when it comes to it. But he says, but he asks a simple question. He says, why are you telling me to buy this? Ah, God 
you know, sometimes God sighs. <laughs> we know God sighs because Jesus said, Jesus is God. Remember once he said, I know you see, see the word Jesus in the Bible, you can replace it with God. Because it is God. That's how we know how God. God sighs. In a sense, God sighs. Then the word of God came to Jeremiah. This is the golden verse. If you can mark it and use it every time, everywhere. Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 27. And this is the response of Jeremiah, God to Jeremiah. He says, I'm not going to explain everything, but this is what I'll tell you. Behold, I, the Lord, the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? Say hallelujah. Man, you can use that every time, every place. He said, I'm going to explain to you how I'm going to turn the captivity and how I'm going to change the Babylonians and how at the right time the right king will come into place and how the favor will now return to Israel. No! Let me tell you something that you can use with me all the time. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And this is God telling in first person to Jeremiah. Not a prophet telling us. God telling us. You can use it every time you have doubt in your life. You can write it down. It's a golden verse. Behold, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That happened because Jeremiah connected through faith, in obedience to word, to an eternal spirit, to whom nothing is impossible. Right? Now you face a situation in your life where something looks impossible because you are operating in the flesh. Yes, in the flesh you cannot do it. But if you if you approach to God obeying obedience to words in your life, first thing you need to look in your life in a challenge or a situation in your life is do I have words to stand up? If I have words, then you say, Boy, am I continuing to stand up? Because the Bible says the word will come after many days. Remember? But my action is not subject to after many days. My action is immediate. But it doesn't happen immediately. But it doesn't change the fact. Because all the drama that happens from you taking the first step to going towards your final destiny is drama. But it is essential. But it doesn't change the final outcome. Say the final outcome. Because the Bible says if we are not ready, in due season, we will We always reap it because the law of seed time and harvest works for you. It works against you when you operate in the flesh, but it works for you when you operate in the spirit. When you seed to somebody, when you give to somebody, or when you do a kind thing for somebody, when you operate in love according to the word of God for somebody, you are sowing big time to the spirit. What's going to happen? You think it's going to stay there? No. That seed is coming back big time. Big time. Big time. And you say, Adil, I have not seen that kind of harvest that I've been believing for. Say many days. Many days. That is why you keep your word in pot. Don't let it be destroyed. Hang on to the word. Look at the purchase deed and look at it. I bought it. I don't care whether it is over, over, overrun by my enemies right now, but it belongs to me. I'm not going to break this pot. It's going to be in it because after many days, it is coming to pass. Say many days. Many days. Many days. I'm saying some of your promise in your harvest is many days. But you know what? It is soon. It's happening soon. It's happening soon. It's going to happen. But now, but before it happens, what will happen? 
The stench will come. The stench will, <laughs> will come. Don't now give up at the entrance because of flesh. Don't now give up at the uh, at the at the end because of the because of the flesh. And then, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 23. And then he again he says, and you don't, I don't want you to go there because God there. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Same passage. Wow, two powerful verses. I was talking about a simple act, act of obedience to the word of God. What a powerful word. I mean, where can you get a powerful verse in the old covenant? How many of you like this verse? Oh man, I am the Lord of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No, no. Then God is saying, okay, now no, throw it, throw it. What do you want? What do you want? What do you got? I'm, I mean, you ask me what do you want. Thanks. Take off your flesh and start operating in your spirit. You can see everything. Did I miss some verses? I did. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration where God gives, Jesus gives a bit of drama and sound and light to the disciples? Huh? That was only one of the few places where Jesus gives a little bit of sight and sound and glory and drama and all. What happened after that? Yeah, they came down, but that was not enough to get the devil out of a, a boy. All the drama and all the revelation. And Jesus had to say, how long shall I bear with you? <laughs> all the glory and all the power and all the flesh, I just showed you. And the funny part is, they come down and they ask Jesus this question. He says, why did he say that? Uh, of all the questions that they had, was never about uh, uh, the experience and this. It was something that Jesus said while he was coming down on the mountain. He was saying that, uh, that he will have to die again. He said that the Son of Man will be, um, has to die again. He said, how can that be? So they were still concerned about his words, not about the experience. Go back and read the passage. So powerful. And then finally, they say that, but we heard that Elijah should come first. Right? You know what they said that? Because what the Bible says, before Jesus' second coming, there's a prophecy. How many of you know that prophecy? Before, do you still believe that prophecy? Before the coming of the Messiah, Elijah is going to come. They knew it. Even today, they keep a cup at their Passover, at their, isn't it? At the Passover. Yeah, they still knock at the door. Uh, there's somebody that when they're behind the Passover meal, they go out and say, is there Elijah in the streets? Go back and read it. And when they celebrate the Passover, and when the Passover meal is going on, they will go out and say, is, the, is Elijah in the streets? Because they're waiting for the Elijah before the Messiah is coming. That prophecy is still there. It's valid. And Jesus but how is it? They say, so he says, oh, okay, good, okay. This is what the disciples, while he's coming down, Jesus tells the disciples, do not tell this vision to anybody until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Okay, so then we have a problem. But, but God, but Bible says that Elijah has to come before he come again. So they have a theological problem. So Jesus says, "Guess what? Guess what? Elijah has come and gone." <laughs> 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 I mean, talk about missing visitations. <laughs> when you are depending on the flesh, you miss it totally. <laughs> Why? Why did they miss Elijah? Why? Because Elijah came as John the Baptist. And the Bible says, oh, I mean, there's so much stuff to do. 
The Bible says that John the Baptist did no sign. He did not one sign. John the Baptist did not do a single miracle. Do you want the verse? Okay, John 10 verses 41. I want you to get this. This is, I mean, this is, this is fundamental facts that you need to know. John the Baptist came to earth, did a powerful ministry, did not do one sign. Say one sign. Okay, can somebody read John chapter 10 verse 41? And many came to him and said, John performed no sign. John performed what? No sign. No sign. No sign. But all the things that John spoke about this man were true. True. So John, so why did they miss Elijah? What were they looking for Elijah to? What signs? What miracles? Everything. You know, and you know what Elijah did? Elijah did everything. He did fire from heaven and raised the dead and multiplied bread and man. And John comes here totally, gives no opportunity for you to believe in science. <laughs> and they totally miss it. What is it? Truth. Truth is the point. When you depend on flesh, you miss complete visitations. Is it funny? It is consistent. You miss, they miss Elijah. You know what? They miss Jesus. That's why he said to Jerusalem, 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 you missed the time of your visitation. Why? They were looking for the sign as a ruler, as a king. They were looking for a crown on his head. He came as a crown on his head, but he came as a serpent. You see that pattern? God is not, is a spirit. He wants no flesh to glory in his presence. And we as believers have to get rid of this mindset. We have to start operating in our spirit. See how the Spirit of God operates. See how God, if you want to connect to this eternal purpose of God with His precious promises and to receive from Him, you cannot receive it in the flesh. I mean, you want to hear an audible voice of God to tell you when lightning to happen, when light to shine. <laughs> if you see that, I mean, you want to check. <laughs> A lot of other things are associated with those things. But if you can see the words and believe it, you will start receiving precious promises. Precious promises. You can connect with great power, great power, great power. You can walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And let me conclude with this thing. Let me repeat once again. The way of the flesh is a well-trod path that the adversary has perfected and completely mastered. When you operate out of the Spirit, counsel, you completely confound his wisdom. And he is rendered useless and ineffective in fulfilling God's fruitfulness for you. You enter and access a new dimension through faith. Then you operate in the spirit. And that is not available in the flesh. It's like two dimension versus three dimension. And you can do YouTube videos on what is when you're in two dimension you can only walk around. You can't you can't see around corners. But somebody starts flying. 
in two dimension. He's no longer in two dimension. He's in a third dimension. Mm. What happens in the third dimension? You can appear to everybody immediately. Mm. But the man in the, in the person in the three dimension thinks it's a miracle. But really, the man in the third dimension is just fine. You see? When you access in the spirit, you connect with an eternal purpose. But those things that were impossible in your flesh is not possible because you're connected with an eternal spirit. That spirit is this eternal God called Yahweh's spirit. All things are then possible because he says, I am the God of all flesh. He's not anything too hard for me because now you have started connecting with me at the spirit level. And it is not just available for that. It is available through the foolishness of words. Foolishness of words. Praise God. Praise Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. I mean, this is, this is not about a good message and a nice message. It's not about a flesh kind of feeling about this message. I, I, wa- I want all of us, including me, to start operating in the spirit. I'll tell you how to practically operate in the spirit. Every time you see a report, hear a report, they talk about people, talking to people, always be in tune with your spirit. What is the spirit of God telling you right now? You say, no, 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 I've never, I've never heard like that. Check what? Just quieting yourself, you can hear. You say, no, no, but that is, how can, how can we be sure it's not, it's not my voice? You know what? You're a spirit being. That is not your voice. That is the spirit of God speaking to you in your spirit. That's how you pray in the spirit. Remember? You pray in your spirit because you're communicating with your Holy Spirit, with God in your spirit, Holy Spirit. So if you are not praying in your spirit and the pastor is talking about it during this session, it's so popular, he's talking about it. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Why? Because quote, third damage. You want to get onto that level of interaction, everything that God has, it's not operating in flesh, it is juicy, it's crazy. It doesn't have what did Jesus say? Come back to the first words. Flesh, prophets, nothing. Not middle. Doesn't say let really. This is a flesh process, not In fact, flesh is disappeared, it'll take you all the way. So do not, do not, do not. So start operating. I mean, simple things would be when somebody says something immediately, uh, tune in with the spirit. What is my spirit telling? Somebody tells you to make a decision immediately. What is my spirit telling? Don't go by what you feel. Your fear, feelings are so deceptive, man. You'll feel exactly, oh, this, I just know this is the word of God. This is the what I need to do because I just feel so good about it. Sometimes you might feel, sometimes you might not. Sometimes you feel mad in the morning. Sometimes you don't. Doesn't change the fact that you are mad, right? Right? Now what happens, right? Sometimes I hope there is more often the other. <laughs> but that's how it is. It doesn't change the fact. But I'm saying it's like feelings they come and go. I'm not, I'm not trying to devalue feelings. That's nothing to do with it. Oh, that, 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 but that's a bad report that the person said that he will not do that to me. That he will not give it to me. That's okay. He said it, but that's a, that's a report. I don't care. The word said, but Jesus, you told me to yesterday that this is going to happen. So I'm not going to change. Oh, my, my, my children is uh, not... All the prophecies that happen on my children... I don't see anything. I see all this thing, all this, all this thing, sir. Fruits coming in my, in my children's life. What? What did I last tell you? I'm going to believe that now. Because that will change everything. Because the word is a creative force that will change. It's a fact. And we won't have time to go into it, but we'll do a different session on how the word actually operates. And do that. But God is good. Say amen. 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 So let's just pray.
Let us ask God. Let us ask God for our sensitiveness in our spirit. Father Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. This message is so fundamental to your walk, says the Lord. If only you would listen, if only you would hear, you'd be able to open your eyes, says the Lord. You'd be able to open your eyes of understanding. You'd be able to hear what I say day in and day out. For I'm a watchman on your wall, says the Lord. I am constantly speaking to you. If only you would listen and hearken to my voice, that I will keep you away from every snare that the enemy has planned for you. The plan to shorten your days, says the Lord. The plan to destroy you. The plan to make you fruitless. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for a great sensitiveness in our spirit, O Lord, to the Word of God. The Lord, to value the Word of God in our life, O Master. To know, Lord, that flesh profits nothing, O Jesus, in our life. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. I just care about what you said, Lord. Master, what did you say, Lord, to me? Father, what did you say last to me? Father, I just believe you, Lord. I don't care if I die with that word. But your word says that the law of seed and father speak to you. But I will reap in this life a hundredfold because I sow to my spirit. Master, Master, help us to sow to us. Father, forgive us, O Lord, because we have dependent so long in our flesh. When you, when you look at the signs like the Gentiles and then you are dismayed, says the Lord, you follow the adversary in all his ways. For I have not come to judge you. I've come to save you, says the Lord. And if you would lean on me and cast all your cares on me in the multitude of your anxieties, you'll find comfort in my delight, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You have multitude of anxieties in your spirit. Find words, says the Lord. Find words and let them give you comfort. For I will give you rest from the days of adversity until a pit is being prepared for the wicked one. Thank you, Jesus. Father, why we wait for the pit to be prepared for the wicked one? Father, give us rest from our days of adversity. Give us endurance, O oh Master, not to give up easily, O oh Lord, when the stench comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because your promises will never fail, O oh Lord, for you are not a man that will lie. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Yeshua. We worship you, Yeshua. Father, we receive your word right now. And we rejoice in your word, O Lord. Oh, we rejoice in your word, O Lord. Oh, Father, we rejoice when the Lord, when the manifestation comes. We rejoice when you receive your word, O Lord. 
We receive your word and we rejoice in your word, O oh Lord. Oh, we rejoice in your word, O oh Master. Send us your word, O oh Lord. Oh, send us your word for our situations, O oh Master. Send us your word. For Yeshua, you said you are my healer. And therefore, Lord, we are healed. Healed, Master, from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Yeshua, you are, are healed. You said that you have ordained our steps. And therefore, Lord, we will never stumble. For you said that you will inherit lands that you have not tried, worked for. Vineyards that you have not planted. Lord, let me sow and we rejoice in it, O Master. We rejoice in it, O Master. Lord, we enter into the rest of Yeshua, the Sabbath of Yeshua. We enter into the Sabbath of Yeshua. We are a our Hallelujah. Vichy, the Lord is telling you that you are about to enter a Sabbath of rest. For as you've been laying down your burden, says the Lord, I am going to anoint you and baptize you with a peace and a rest that you always want. But says, lay down your burdens. And take up my rest, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory. Glory, Master. Glory, Jesus. Glory. Stand there. I can just see a glory upon you. That the favor of God is shining upon you. For says, for thus says the Lord, these are the days of great favor. For my countenance shall shine upon you and please you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we receive the engrafted word today, O oh Master. We seal it by the blood of Jesus. Father, we receive it with faith, O oh Master. That the enemy shall never steal this word ever in our lives, O oh Master. We worship you. We thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Father, your word says, let no flesh glory in your presence. None of our works glory in your presence, O oh Lord. Father, we rest into the finished work of Yeshua. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Become the staff for us, Lord. Through which we will gain great victories in these days. Lord, great victories, O Lord. Lord, you became a staff for us. The rod of right hand. Rod of a right hand. Rod of a right hand. Not afraid anymore of anything that the enemy throws at us. Oh, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Receive miracles this time. Receive your manifestations with the Lord. For the days of your manifestation, manifestations are at hand. For you have said that visions and words have passed away. But I say to you, I will watch over you to cause it to come to pass. I will watch over you to be fruitful. Because of what you did and what you received in Jesus, my son. Thank you, Master. Thank you for unique words now going out to every one of them. 
I'm going to just release the word of God right now into your minds right now. In the name of Jesus, I release specific words to every brother and sister right now in the name of Jesus, including every child in the name of Jesus. Words that will change them, oh Master, because they obey, because they believe, oh Master, Lord, I just release words right now into everyone who seeks a word, oh Master. Father, because they are not seeking a sign, Master. They are seeking a word to obey and to receive and to rejoice over. Oh, Master, give them your words, O oh Lord. You have words, O oh Master. Father, release words into their spirits right now in Jesus' name. Words to heal, says the Lord. Words to heal. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Quieten your hearts right now. Whiten your hearts right now and listen from him. Listen from him. Listen from him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Let your word do what it is called and sent to do. Let it be the finished work. Father, we receive it with gladness and we hold fast to it. Strengthen those things that remain that are about to die in our lives because we have let the go of our promises and about the words that you have prophesied and spoken to us for these past. Strengthen those things of us. And Father, we repent, we turn back to those words. And we receive it now with gladness and joy because we remember how we first heard it. We remember how joyful we were. And we want to receive it right now in the same way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Father, we as a group, we as your flock, Father, we commit to you, Master, that we want to value your word so, Master, in our lives. Yes. Teach us, Master, never to forget to value your words in our lives. And the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a banner. The banner is the name of God. It's the word of God. Against him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. We worship you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.